as white people, we can't just be not racist mm -hmm. because being just not racist means that you're going to keep going on with your day, not acknowledging the problems that exist in our society and not taking any action or accountability for the systems that disadvantage people of color. So it's not enough to not be racist. You have to start to be anti-racist. And that means right. you have to start taking steps and you have to start putting solutions in place. This is Through a Different Set of Eyes. A podcast that aims to tackle preconceived notions, address life's challenges, and spur new thought through honest and sometimes tough conversations. I'm Jason. And I'm Eddie. And we're just two regular guys, but from very different backgrounds. So join us now as we seek to examine the human condition through a different set of eyes. What I heard was being asked of me and other white people is that we need you to continue to listen to us. Right. We need you to start to understand which is tough work because we're asking you white people to self-educate, to read a book, mm. to, to have an uncomfortable conversation with someone with a person of color, right. to try to understand the experience that we're going through. And then we need you to start to be a part of the solution, not the problem, right? Put it to action, make it real, make changes hold your board accountable for driving more diversity within your workforce. So in essence, it's not enough to just wear the t-shirt. No. And it's not just enough to post on social media. Right. I, who gives a shit if, yeah. if I put a, 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 a brown fist emoji on my yeah. fucking Facebook wall? Yeah. It, it, that is not enough in and of itself. Mm. We, we have to go further. And it goes back to what we were talking about for, uh, earlier is that as white people, we can't just be not racist mm -hmm. because being just not racist means that you're going to keep going on with your day, not acknowledging the problems that exist in our society and not taking any action or accountability for the systems that disadvantage people of color. Right. Right. So to, to, so it's not enough to not be racist. You have to start to be anti-racist and that means right. you have to start taking steps and you have to start putting solutions in place. Right. So that has been my journey mm -hmm. of, of uh, self-reflection, education, connection, right. empathy, and now action. Right. Um, how do we motivate others? I think is your your yeah. core question. Um, first and foremost, get offline. Right. <laughs> Invite people to get offline and go have a conversation. Right. Come meet with me. Come talk with me. Tit for tat posts on on Facebook or on Twitter or on. TikTok, we have to we have to start bringing the conversation offline, and we need yeah. to start having those conversations. Right. We need to have white people too. White people who are advocates need to start being more comfortable with having those conversations. Mm -hmm. um, I have some friends, I have some family members that say horrible racist things, mm. and sometimes it's very subtle racist things. And when it's a subtle racist thing it's easier just to kind of not address it, sweep it under the rug. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Those, those Mexicans were making a bunch of noise outside. Mm. You mean the people outside were making a bunch noise. of noise. Right. Right. You don't need to put a label on it and start to reinforce a, a some sort of stereotype. Um, so what we need to do as white people is we need to start stepping up to address 
racism, whether it's subtle or direct, right? Mm -hmm. And start acknowledging that it's a problem and start encouraging conversations. Now, to be an effective communicator, meaning that you've actually gotten your point across, is a, right. is a whole another skill set in and of itself, right? Right, right. Um, it's not enough to just tell somebody that they're wrong. You've got to find ways to encourage positive change, and you have to be able to do that over time. So right. there are techniques and um, a, a natural skill set that is necessary to to pull people into a positive conversation that that uh, drives positive change. Right. Um, I'll give you an example of this, actually. Uh, I kind of hinted at this this morning when we first got together. Uh, yeah. I had a coworker recently reach out to me with some concerns about the recent diversity conversations that we were ha- that our company was having. Right, right. Um, and the, 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 the situation was this individual felt that publicly our corporate stance was, hey, we are looking to hire more diversity within our organization. We're looking to promote and grow more diversity into leadership positions. What he claimed he was hearing in the back room though, was we need to hire more black people. And he took a personal Mm. affront to that because we have many Asian Americans. We have Sikh, we have Indian, we have a wide diverse, diverse mix already within our workforce. And he felt that saying that we need to hire more black people was actually counterproductive to the diversity conversation. Right. Interesting. So this white colleague of mine wanted my perspective on this. The the reason why I'll I'll tell you where we went with it in terms of my response to it. But the reason why I share this story with you is I had created an environment where he felt comfortable enough to come to me and have that and have that conversation. I gave him a safe space. Right. I reinforced that as we were, we were talking. I also shared a lot of what my perception is and what my point of view is versus saying, you need to think this way. You need to do that. Mm -hmm. When you position positive behavior from what you're doing, it doesn't threaten the other individual's identity. Right. It just models for them the opportunity to change. Right, right, right. right. So that was another technique that I was using to try to reinforce the the, the positivity of the the outcome of the message. But anyway, going back to, um, going back to that specific anecdote, um, you know, we explored a couple of reasons why, uh, individuals within the organization might be saying that we need to specifically hire black people. Right. Um, and I think that we landed on two potential reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously I, I don't know who was saying these things and I don't know why or what their motivations were, but we did explore two potential answers. Right. The first was, um, going back to black history in America, mm-hmm. right? Um, how many, African slaves were brought over to our country to be a, a a workforce under the boot of white Americans Mm -hmm. and uh, to have an entire economy surround the idea of using human beings as slave, as, as, as work animals to produce money for, for white people and those in power. Mm -hmm. That history, as you described it earlier, started there, but then it moved into, okay, the end of slavery, but there was still, you know, you still didn't have any rights. And then we kind of gave rights, but they were limited. And then it was just for the males, but not the black females. And then we were in a society that was incredibly segregated. And then we kind of morphed into something that was just a lot of discrimination. And then we live in this 
kind of pseudo world where on the surface everything appears to be kosher. Right. But uh, in reality, it's it, it still has a lot of racism. So what 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 we talked about was when you have that historical significance, it clearly is a it is interwoven into the fabric of our American history, and the white black conflict because of that is the most definitive conflict of them all. Right. Uh, white people and Eskimos don't have this level of conflict. White people and Mexicans don't have this level of conflict. You could argue that white people and native Americans have this level of conflict because of sheer genocide, right? right? That, that was even earlier in our, in our history. Right. But the white black conflict is the one that's most apparent. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about why do we need to hire more black people in our workforce, it's because if we can solve or improve the white black conflict, it actually opens up the gateway for other people of color. It, it it's uh, all the, the tide raises all ships, yeah. right? So if you create a system that says, Hey, we need to get more black people into these seats that, that ultimately raises the rights of all people. Of color. people yeah. That was one potential solution or okay. response to uh, why this push. The other I actually got from my wife, who's a genius HR leader of course um she suggested that it may actually be a a numbers game and not a quota right this isn't about quotas but it is about hiring a workforce that is representative of the population that's ultimately why we're trying to drive more diversity within our organization and she said now take a look at what your current workforce already looks like you already mentioned that you have asian american colleagues that you have uh, Indian colleagues, that you have Latino colleagues. How many black colleagues do you have? And are they in positions of leadership or are they in janitor roles or admin roles? So it may be not that you're not trying to aim for diversity. It may be that you have some diversity already, but you're still underrepresented in certain segments. But those were the two potential opportunities uh, that were a response to his initial concern. You know, it's an interesting conversation because I think um, the conversation of we need to hire more uh, black people, because that's something that, again, I think a lot of companies speak to that, but then not many companies actually will do it, right? All through with it. Right. They're not going to do it. Now, it could be a combination of several things, which means, which is they may not have a pool to pull from, right? Or there's not, you can't find people that you would want to put in those places. But it also could be a conversation of, you know, it's the time, it's the moment right now. So let's talk about it and put it out there that that's what we want to do. And then time both passes by and nothing ever happens with it, mm-hmm. right? Uh, um but we're, we're, we're human creatures. We're going to go for what's easiest. Right. So if, if my talent pool that I choose from, I'm going to go from what's easiest to go grab. So what's right in front of me and what's available right. as a, as recruiters, that's what you're going to go do. Right. But that's, what's got you the mix that you have today. Exactly. So hi, hiring a diverse, uh, a workforce starts with bringing more people into the interview process to begin with. After we start the interviews, then we've got a different challenge that we have to address, right. but go start sourcing right? Go to black colleges. Don't right. go just to the Ivy leagues, which guess what? Predominantly white, right? Go to black colleges, 
go to other locations, other sources where you can start to identify more diverse candidates to bring right. into the system. And then we can, uh, of course, have the appropriate level of training and education. And but I also think that now you get to the there. point whereby now I, I think we're shifting into a dynamic of whereby now you got to look at the people that are in those hiring positions or the people that make those decisions yep. now. Because you may have or reach out into these sources. I know my company has done these programs where they go and they reach out into uh, colleges and try and pull black candidates or black students and try and encourage them to come and join or go in that pathway. But one of the things that then happens is that if you have leadership within that organization that does not see that as important or does not make that a priority, even if the if HR, for example, has or recruiters, for example, throw you candidates, you they will satisfy the concern that we have interviewed or talked to candidates of color. Check the box. Right. So tick. Mm-hmm. We're not biased. Right. We've done the job. It's just that they were not qualified for the job. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the dilemma, one of the things, this is a passionate issue for me. I feel like it's a whole different topic because I've had to deal with this a lot. I think that there's a whole, again, institutional structural change. We talked about it in the mm-hmm. justice system, but I think there's also an institutional structural change that needs to happen in the corporate system. Mm-hmm. I think we need to go from this notion of token black faces that you put in front. So you are, you looks like you have that or token minority faces, mm-hmm. but you actually don't have the, the people behind you, behind those faces don't, does not look or feel that way. And that, that is uh, something that is, is until you solve that issue where the people who are making those decisions internally can actually see that this is part of, if you want true diversity, you got to change it that way. Okay. And they're hiring in those fronts. Then you're not, it's not going to move. Let me build on that example. I work in advertising. Okay. <laughs> right. And in advertising, we... If, if we hire a predominantly white workforce, right. you're going to have predominantly white insights, right. which are going to drive predominantly white creative. Right. And then you face the, mm, do we need to hire the, the token black actor to represent in this commercial? Right. And does it feel authentic? Exactly. Right. So, so the output then becomes the output being the advertising, the, right. the commercial message that is then broadcast and shown to millions and millions of Americans, white, black, and other. Right. They're now seeing content that reinforces the structures that we talked about earlier. Right? Mm-hmm. So it is critical that we start to hire a more diverse workforce with right. more diverse perspectives. And I can tell you that I, I am proud of my organization because they, they are making an effort to do that. And they're doing it in conjunction with our primary advertisers as well. Oh, that's good. Making a concerted efforts to ensure that on both sides of the client agency relationship, that there is diversity in the workforces and diversity in the portrayals of the commercial communications that are going out. Right. So we're going to see a shift um, from, from this client, uh, and from our work, uh, and the messages that we put out over the next, well, forever, hopefully, right. right, that we're, right. We're, I'm hoping to, that we see that actual outcome come to I life. Mean, yeah. Right. No, you're right. And, and, and I think that that's part of it. And, 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 um, the, the benefits of that are very, very too, uh, on several fronts. I think going back full circle, part of the solution to what the issue on race uh, the, that happens is that 
if and when black people feel that they have the same amount of opportunity or access to opportunity as their counterparts on the other side, you now have a situation whereby the anger that we initially talked about, that feeling of why is the world against me? Why is it nothing that I do is, is ever, is ever considered good enough or capable of moving me forward? Um, that will start to disappear, to, to, to disappear. Right. Because I think opportunity access to, uh, uh, loans, access to uh, jobs and opportunities, access to housing, access to education, education on a fair basis, right? In these different communities, it takes away from the fact that you feel like you're always being held down. Mm-hmm. And I think that to me, if you take a look at where we are, the, 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 that will bring this conversation from where it is right now of passion and anger to a conversation where we are moving things forward. Because I think the more, the more people know in these communities and I, and, and black communities that we can get a fair shake. I can go to the same institution as you and I can be treated fairly. I can go to the cops and talk to a police officer and say, listen, you know, this is my situation and they understand me and see me as a human being. Mm-hmm. I think you're moving things forward. And and that's, that's, that's tough though, to get to that point. But I think that's a solution. I think that's where you start by providing that, you know, that economic opportunities and across the board, making sure that everybody has fair access to everything and changing these structural, uh, uh, cultures mm-hmm. that have been ingrained. What is, what does that solution mean at the individual level? And I ask that because I, I think one of the things that we want to spur and what you were poking at earlier is how do we as individuals start to make changes in our actions right. so that we can start to be more solution oriented and start to be more anti-racist. Right. So let me ask you uh, what you're identifying and advocating for here are systematic changes, right? Right, Big, broad movements and changes in the way we work. What are the individual actions that an individual can take to start to move the needle on those things. Well, I think, I think, again, I think everything starts from the basis of the conversations that you and I are having, right? Because I think uh, if you, if you meet, if you allow yourself to, to having new relationships or new friendships with people that are different from yourself, I think you're now broadening your perspective naturally, right? Right. So, so one of the things I, I think from an individual level, it starts off by, being open to having the tough conversations, but also taking it from a constructive point of view that we may be different right now, but me knowing where you're coming from makes me understand you better. Mm -hmm. Because how this translates is that I'm talking to you, wherever in your circles, you know decision makers, you may be a decision maker in your job. You may then look at that and be like, you know what? I understand where this person is coming from. I'm going to start making decisions based on that understanding. Mm -hmm. So if more of us who are in positions of power start opening up and saying to ourselves, part of what I can do individually in whatever capacity I can do it is to invite in different thoughts, different people, different people who look like, who look different from myself uh, and who are from different backgrounds, then I'm making small steps towards being part of the solution than part of the problem. Because right now, one of the things that I find difficult 
especially with the movement going on right now, is that the cool thing to do right now is be a part of a movement like this. Because historically, you want to be looked at, no matter how you feel behind the scenes, right? You want to be looked at uh, as the person that stood on the right side of history, mm-hmm. right? So, for example, I'll give you an example, and I'm going to throw this in because I think it's a very, it was a very enlightening moment, is the term Karen, mm-hmm. right? That, that lady in, in Central Park who accused that black man of doing something was a liberal who, when you think about it, believed on the surface on on paper, you can look at her and say, she had the right, she believes probably in the same thing. She believes in equality. She believes in, 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 in being anti-racist or that's what she tells herself, right? <clears throat> yeah. But when you really think about it on the surface, in deep down inside, I'm sorry, when you think about it, deep down inside, she probably has the same fears that drives uh, the negative notions that people, black people, minorities are facing right now. And that informs who she is. And in that moment, she exposed herself, right? And yeah. her true fears came out. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, yeah. I mean? So so that's why I say like right now, it's cool to be on that side. It may be cool to say I was on that side and I was in that movement. I was at that rally. I was chanting those signs. I have a bunch of t-shirts that look that way or that speak to this message. I post like that. You know, I'm one of the most prolific people who are doing something. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it may be cool to do that, but what's actually going to make a difference is you going back into your own life, into your own circles and advocating and actually mm-hmm. making mm-hmm. those steps. And I think that's what we individuals can do because if one person does it, the next person you bring in is going to do it. You're, if you're an influencer or a person of power, that position that you take up mm-hmm. is going to influence other positions or people around you to follow suit. Right, yeah. No, I, I think that the example of, of the Karen in Central Park, right, who, who called the police and literally said, the words, something to the effect of, I probably shouldn't misquote her, but it was something to the effect of there's an African-American man here yes. harassing me. Right. And she threatened to do that before she actually made the call. Right. And so she knew the power that that message held. Right. right? She understood the power of it. So she right. understood how race works. Yeah. She understood what her privilege was. Yeah. And she knew what his disadvantage was. Right. And she wielded that power in an abusive way. Right. Um, and I think what you are also uncovering in that, in that example is, uh, another great, uh, example of the good, bad binary. Mm. She may theoretically have hold all the values that you talked about, right? Being a liberal, believing yeah. in equality on paper and doing X, Y, and Z. But, um, you know, she, she never took the opportunity to challenge herself farther than that right. because she's like, Oh, I'm not racist I'm on paper. Right. But she never took the opportunity to challenge herself farther than that. And so then she had these evil elements still within her that then exploded out exactly. in that recorded incident. Right. Which only becomes a thing. She only had that dog taken away from her and only uh, became a, a viral sensation because it was recorded. Right. Had that not been recorded, then she would have gotten away with it. Right. And, 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 and we would have, and, and it wouldn't have it wouldn't have exposed what we know now or what a lot of black people have known to be true for a while. I, mm-hmm. I have a quick story and then, 
you know, uh, which talks about that. I was at a Black Lives Matter rally and I'm standing in the crowd. It was a very interesting moment for me because I remember having a conversation um, saying, um, I feel weird being here because it was a lot more white people screaming and chanting that. You went to the one downtown. Right. It was like they were screaming and chanting it and, and, and it was so much passion were wearing the t-shirts they they were they were in the, and you know and and it was great it was a beautiful thing to see but i knew in that moment that that one person anything could change the switch that i may be standing there i'm a black person they're talking about my life mattering right and that they believe that but in any moment if i misstep or if i do something that's weird or if something happens or if I come off aggressive unintentionally or something like that to somebody who's wearing that shirt, they could easily have things could easily change like that. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Like, you know what I'm saying? Even though they they have they are standing there, they are chanting, they believe that at that moment, if I do something that they perceive to be aggressive or take it the wrong way, they could flip the switch right there and use that privilege to their advantage. This is how racism works. Right. Right. And I'm, I, I, I'm sure that someone could look at, at me calling this situation racist and be like, you're, you're over dramatizing right. it. But, but this is literally going back to my definition earlier, that racism occurs when you have prejudice from a place of power. Right. Right. It, it, that doesn't just put the racism on white people. It, the racism in this situation is your own reflection on the circumstances. Right. You standing there at a rally that is in support of your lives and the lives of your son, what is a positive event with positive messages right. being spoken out loud. That is a community gathering all coming around a common good cause with good values. Right. You are a subject of racism because you are so self-aware of your current surroundings that you are now modifying your behavior to fit the expectations of the white people around you. Right. Right. Those same white people who are, that are, that are advocating for you. <laughs> exactly. But you are taking, you're changing your behavior. Right. To fit what their expectation is. Right. That's racism at play. Right. They didn't do anything wrong necessarily in no. that moment. No individuals were no. racists in that moment, but that is an outcome of our society's racism right. that you felt the need, the, the, the absolute need to be safe and therefore change your behavior to make sure that all the other white people around you were, were comfortable with you being there. Exactly. And, and, and to me, that made it feel like, okay, this is great and all. But then it also made me do something else. I, I had a conversation. I'm like, this is all great. I love it. But if they really mean it, if they really mean what they're saying, then they should use the power I know they have for sure to go make that change. So instead of, and making that change means to me that if you take all those people that have been marching around the country and saying this, if they all came out and voted, and try to do to make change. Not only I'm not even talking about the larger political context here. I'm talking about just in their local communities, mm -hmm. for people that believe in these so-called values that 
we are all espousing and, and, and talking about, then that's when you realize that this is the change that we are talking about. This is what's actually going to be impactful for my son a few years from now, mm-hmm. because now the structure is now changing. We're putting people in places in, in positions of power that believe in that. Those people are now going to go forth and start making changes that are going to help generations to come. So we move on from this point. And that to me is one thing that has to happen. And then you come back. It also brings me to the point of trust, right? Us trusting that, you know, these people are going to go out and do the right thing. This is the first step. This is amazing. We love it. We, we appreciate that support. But at the same time, now we trust that you're going to go out there and actually act on your or what you're communicating right now and help us. And, and I think to me, that's that's what I think constructively, what, what, what can people do going back? You know, what can I do? I, as a black person, have to continue having conversations with more of my white friends, mm-hmm. right? Like this, and having those frank, honest conversations um, because racism is also a two-way street. I can look at it, you could, you could argue that I can, I can be racist because I've already prejudged white people that they look at me differently, so I'm going to look at them differently and I'm, that's the basis of our relationship. Or, or I can also come from the position of saying that, you know, I need to keep myself, my mind open to the opportunity that everybody's going to be different. And I think that's, that's the challenge we face is that everybody has to almost strip away their core beliefs or what they have understood the situation to be and then kind of open themselves up to learning and looking at different perspectives, like me understanding your background and what informs what you came, how you came to be the man you are today. It helps me look at you in a different sense. It helps me understand like where you're coming from. But I think also having that dialogue that we are doing, you can look at it and say, I get that mm. because you're seeing me as human, just like I'm seeing you as human too. I re- nobody's perfect. I want to reinforce what you what you were just saying there, which is the 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 necessity, the solution here is that individuals have to be willing to have, I'm sorry, individuals need to have the courage to be able to self-reflect, yeah, face hard truths, yeah, and then consciously make changes to their mindset and to their behavior. Yeah. And it's the courage to act that is the toughest part. Yeah. Because again, going back to the idea of, of protecting identity, a lot of people don't want to change. They don't want to learn. They don't want to self-analyze. They don't want to reflect on the, on their shadows, on right, the, on their, right. on the parts of them that are darker. Um, they, they, they fear exposing themselves right. and, and potentially opening themselves up for harm or hurt. The, the number one challenge that or the number one thing that saddens me mm. is when I hear someone say, I don't want to learn. Yeah. I've had a couple of family members actually use that exact phrase with me and say, I don't want to learn. I can't imagine a world where I would ever use that phrase mm. where I either a think that I know everything already, right. which is ridiculous <laughs> or that I don't think that my life could get better. Right. Even hearing things that you disagree with gives you an insight. It gives you an understanding of what somebody else's opinion is. Right. I'm more than happy to have a conversation with a 
alt-right extremist. Right. Let's have a conversation. Let's have a conversation. Right. Let's talk. Tell me, help me understand. Mm-hmm. Let's exchange ideas. Right. Right. Let's, let's, let's try to see if we can learn something from each other. Yeah. Cause even in that case, what I can then do is better understand my enemy to, to, <laughs> to be better equipped to go hey. make more positive change in the world against some of the, some of the things that I disagree with. Right. The more, you know, the better off you are. Exactly. Right. So I can't imagine a world where you would consciously make the decision that, Hey, I don't want to learn. Yeah. And yeah. that's the, that's the sad part. Cause there are too many people out there that are like that. There yeah. are, there are way too many people who aren't, who don't have the courage to right. self-reflect. Right. Totally agree. Totally agree. Um, yeah, this is this has been a very very deep. We have approached a point where we we we've left some stuff on the table. We we have put some stuff out there, and what I would love to do is say this now, which is I want to hear what other people think. I want to hear how 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 other people view this topic, and and if anything that you and I have talked about touched somebody or brought up something where they feel mm-hmm. differently we want to hear about that right we want we want people to talk to us we want people to share their opinions we want people to contribute to the conversation because i think that furthers this project that furthers on an individual basis and again it goes back to the fact that we are looking at it from a different set of eyes here a different set of uh backgrounds but at the same time we are hoping that more people do the same thing and provide more opinions. Mm-hmm. We want more different eyes to step in and look at the same scenario and say, okay, you, uh, this is how I see it. You are right here. You are wrong. Yeah. But I think. Yeah. Share your opinions, share your questions, yeah. uh, give us inspiration for additional topics to, yes. to talk through and discuss. And, um, yeah, let us, let us know what you've learned. Yeah. So subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> Hit the like button, subscribe, subscribe comment below. Subscribe, subscribe, yes. Tell us, tell us more about uh, what you want to hear. Tell us your opinions, and let's definitely continue the conversation. Thank you for your time today, Eddie. Dude, thank you. It's awesome. Yeah, I think next time we 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 should have a couple of. Um, I think we do these conversations with a couple of beers <laughs> on the table. I I, I think that a two-hour podcast with multiple beers is probably a bad <laughs> idea, but I'm willing to risk it. It's, a, yeah, it's an interesting concept. So, yeah. All right. All right. That's a wrap. Can I give you a hug? We went in. <laughs>